Welcome to the podcast of Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover, and as you may have noticed, our TGIF regular, Tommy Dean, has been missing from our panel. He's back in America for a couple of months. And while we've missed him on TGIF, he's instead been joining us with a weekly letter from America. So if you're keen on catching up with him, stay listening at the end of this podcast for Tommy Dean's Letter from America. But first, this week's TGIF. We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's... Evans Music Studio at the ABC in Sydney for another edition of Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover and this week with the music, it's Cass Eager and her band. Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, our panel, Wendy Harmer, Jean Kitson and Tahir. Yeah. And our audience, our audience this week, drawn from Arimba, Catherine Hill Bay, Mount Pleasant, Yowie Bay, Tumut and Hawaii. Yeah. God. Hawaii! Hawaii! How classy is that? That's so... We attract people from all over the world. All over the world? All over the world. They yeah. come from far yeah. and... That's right. Not very She's far. She's come to see her sister and she said, we're going to see what? Where? Who? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but first, here is the news from nowhere. In the TV series The Crown, Princess Margaret is depicted having breakfast in bed, as if this is the height of luxury. Have you actually tried to eat breakfast in bed? It really is the most ghastly thing. Your back propped up but your legs flat, a tray balanced on your lap, a cup of scalding tea poised <laughs> threateningly over your groin while you hack away at a bit of toast, filling the bed with crumbs, all of which will be there days later, however many times you try to get the doona up. They then throw in a boiled egg the contests of which must be moted towards your own mouth, crossing a valley of white sheets, hopefully without incident. Now, rumour has it the Queen always rejected her sister's bed-and-breakfast routine, preferring cornflakes eaten straight from the pack while sitting at a table. This, I guess, is her version of me time, or as it is known in, at Balmoral, we time. <laughs> I'm with the Queen. Things that are considered luxurious are usually not that luxurious. Owning a boat is the most obvious. A boat allows you to experience the first two stages of seasickness. First, you fear you're going to die. Then you fear you're not going to die. <laughs> a boat, as the saying goes, only gives pleasure twice. Once on the day you buy it and second on the day you sell it. In between, there are lots of maintenance bills combined with trying to drink Chardonnay while everything around you pongs of diesel. My father, for example, had a boat in the years before he died. Oh, you ask about my inheritance. <laughs> I may have forgotten to mention, my father had a boat. <laughs> <laughs> skiing is in the same category. My view, skiing offers a reliable winter break, usually of your left leg. I tried it once when I was 15 and failed to appreciate the appeal. It's far easier, I discovered, to move around without skis attached to your feet. Easier still in terms of movement if you avoid areas in which there's snow on the ground, 
Luckily, this comprises most of Australia. <laughs> now, others spend enormous amounts of money on golf. I don't. I quite like my wife. <laughs> Owning an expensive car would be good, especially as 5% of people, when they see you driving by, think, wow, that person must be a real success in life to be able to afford a car like that. <laughs> Unfortunately, the other 95% think, ah, oh, look at that drug dealer going past. <laughs> Since Christmas is approaching, perhaps we should discuss those luxurious presents bought for the person who has everything. Now, the most common one is the one-day parachuting course in which you pay for your loved one to be thrown out of a plane somewhere between Campbelltown and Mittagong. <laughs> now, if you happen to be hearing this and you happen to be my wife, please do not think this is a good idea. People, I realise, say the adrenaline rush drives away the normal worries of life, allowing you to live in the moment for the duration of the descent. Uh, perhaps. Personally, I'd rather be preoccupied with my current question of how do I get rid of all the bindi weeds in my back lawn when compared to that other question, why has my parachute just failed to open? <laughs> Watching The Crown, I often feel slightly sorry for the Queen, all that standing around, making conversation, cutting ribbons, trying not to express an opinion, despite being forced to talk to people so much less capable than herself. Being a princess and then a queen may be the world's most common dream, but when you imagine the day-to-day -day reality, it proves the adage of all these things. When it comes to the high life, be careful what you wish for. At least, unlike her sister, she never had to endure breakfast in bed. And that's the news from nowhere. You know, Richard, Richard, Wendy. When I was, when I was, uh, when I was young, I, um, I really wanted to grow up and marry a prince. Mm. And uh, <laughs> Prince Andrew was the one that I liked. <laughs> and I look at it now and I think, gee, you know, I could have been, ended up being a single woman with two kids. <laughs> And, and, and about to front court, so as a witness. So I think I did pretty I, I, well I think, on balance. I think dreaming of marrying Prince Andrew is a classic example in life of aiming low and missing. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Some of those presents I agreed. I mentioned uh, being given, like, skydiving. Yeah. I go, who, sky, who's skydiving? Anybody skydiving? Put your hand up if you skydiving. People, look at this. Oh, yeah, the, a few. The band members. Well, they're just the ones that survived. Yeah. I, <laughs> they go, you know what, they go, oh, it's a big thrill, it's a big, uh, you know, adrenaline rush. For me, this would be adrenaline rush. You're in the air, mm -hmm. right? They open the door of the plane whilst you're in the air. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got adrenaline, close the door, land the thing, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> The door's open. You know, if you really wanted to get an adrenaline rush and forget your worries, you know, on the yeah. way down, um, you could just do a stand-up spot at a comedy store, <laughs> oh, yeah. couldn't you? That's enough adrenaline. Imagine if you just found yourself on stage and you had to do a 20-minute spot. But with a skydive, you don't necessarily die. With the stand-up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I can't get, like, there's nothing wrong with a plane. Why are we jumping? I can't get that out of my head. <laughs> I go, why are we jumping? There's nothing wrong. It's and a perfectly a, decent yeah. plane. And there's a guy attached on your back. You know, if he's Greek, I'm out of there. <laughs> <laughs> we both go down together. <laughs> Let us check that you're up with this week's news. Who scored after a conversion despite being accused of foul play. 
who scored oh, after a conversion. This is the Israel Folau story, yeah, isn't yes, it? Yes, he is. And he uh, came up trumps in his legal action against rub- Rugby Australia. Well, I don't know who came up trumps here, really. I know <laughs> a lot of people are disappointed this one didn't go to court. I don't know whether you read that. Um, uh, but let's face it, this wouldn't have been so much a lawyer's picnic as a 15-course Christmas banquet with uh, Israel Folau as the turkey and Raylene Castle as the stuffing, I think. And ima- ima- imagine how long that court case would have gone on. You'd have to go back to the Old Testament <laughs> right through to modern place to work agreements. You could have been there for years. But, look, I did... If I read this right, and I don't know whether I have read this right, in the, the idea is you come up with a list of people going to hell, you put it on Facebook, you get the sack yeah. and you end up with five million bucks. I love it. You're loving that? You could, you, could do, you could do this for Wendy. I could do. I could make up a list. Um, look, he named homosexuals, adulterers, fornicators, drunks, idolaters, atheists and liars. Bingo! Got that card. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's left out quite a few sinners there, so I'm sensing a bit of an opportunity here, Jean. What do you yes, think? Yes, go for it. Go for Man it, spreaders. Yep. <laughs> Mansplainers. Oh. Mansplainers. You're doing it now to him. Yes, What's What's a manspreader? <laughs> oh, well, you bloke who sits like here. Oh, you know? so I've, I've, not, I've got this little. I've got this little. Part of the table. <laughs> I know. I'm finding I'm doing the whole man-spreading thing the older I get. I don't know why. <laughs> well, you're giving me a bit, a bit of an airing, darling. <laughs> Which is what, my, know, what my, to... my auntie Pat used to do. <laughs> until they called the police. <laughs> <laughs> it's like backing up to the fire. Yeah, yeah warming right. your, yeah, you know, your lift your skirt. Pulling out your dress. And, yeah, yeah. Well, fabulous. You can get away with a sad. lot when you're old. And who, who are you sending to hell other than the manspreaders and the manspreaders? Oh, well, I think also people who use flannelette sheets. <laughs> I, oh, look, it's controversial, but all those tiny pill hells, oh, hell awaits you. And, look, this one is pretty personal <laughs> and specific, but the neighbour who cut down the creeping fig on our shared driveway without asking any of us. Okay? Shame, Just going shame. there with that. Look, I've got a shopping list here, That's you know, people who, people who rustle, you know, packets in the cinema. I could go on. Oh, you could go <laughs> on? I could go on for hours. So you're putting them all in hell, the ABC is going to sack you, and then you'll claim five million bucks. See, this is a plan. It's It's better than the one I've got at the well, moment. It's, it's, a more of a, it's a better plan than marrying Prince Andrew. <laughs> yeah, well, that is <laughs> true. Quite true. Jean, what do you make of it? What well, you... it's always, it seems like always the way with rugby union, you know, like a rugby league. You know, they keep, they keep changing the rules until the crowds get impatient and they just wander off. So, you know, like they spent months and months telling everyone that Israel Folau traumatised a generation and then now they say he didn't want to hurt anyone, so it's okay. So, <laughs> they've all kissed and made up, haven't they? Yeah, they've all kissed and he made up. He didn't mean up. to be rude. We didn't mean to be mean. No, except that Mr Falau, of course, is banned from playing for, for around ever, but, um, but which is okay because they gave him an Audi bag full of cash, so he's all right. He's and, and he'll probably go to Japan and play for the Brave Blossoms and just crush the Wallabies, and that just gives me a chance to talk about the Brave Blossoms. Like, why? What a brilliant name! Why don't we? Why don't the Wallabies change their name to the Snugglepots or something? <laughs> I do love the idea of Railing Castle ringing up Labor Party headquarters and saying, "Could I borrow a?" Bag, <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, I had to look up. Um, I mean, Israel Folau's uh, post as uh, Wendy mm. read out, like drunks, homosexuals, all the. I go, and then he said he did not intend to harm or offend anyone 
with the post after posting yeah, yeah, that yeah, post, yeah. which is amazing. Right? But both parties felt vindicated, which is amazing because one party, if I read it right, apologised and paid $5 million. Or something, we don't Or something know. like that. And, the other part, and, and then they said, we didn't back down. We needed to give the game cost certainty. Well, $5 million is certainly a cost. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll be honest, right, Richard, this is, I'll be, I had to look up the word fornicator. I didn't, know, I, had to, I didn't know what it meant. I thought it was someone into plants and stuff, right? I thought, why does Israel have a problem with flower power? I didn't understand. <laughs> fornicator. I've never, ever used that word. It does sound like... <laughs> it's someone who does skydiving with the guy on the <laughs> <laughs> An idolator? What's idol? Idolater. 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 What is that? Yeah. Someone That's worshipping idolized. false idols. That's like people who go on, you know, Australia's idols. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So, What's it called? Australia's idols. Australia's got Australian yeah. idols. It, it basically means you think Dicko is a champion. Yeah. <laughs> so all of Justin Bieber's fans are going to go to hell? Is that what he's saying? Okay, some parts of what he said were correct. <laughs> now, who claimed, who claimed to trump the barbs of others this week? Who claimed to trump the bars of others? The barbs. Okay, this is a story of Donald Trump who responded to a video in which Justin Trudeau... Right? Trudeau. Trudeau uh, appeared to be mocking the president while chatting to other world leaders at Buckingham Palace. But, um, Trump called Trudeau two-faced later congratulating himself on what could be read as a clever callback, which is a brilliant comedy technique. Um, <laughs> so, and he said, that was funny when I said the guy's two-faced, you know. So, and, and then he which said, was like, a reference to the fact that Trudeau had all these problems with the blackface. Yeah, and the yeah that's right. Yeah, that's and that right. was a good callback, actually. Yeah, yeah. If he meant that in the first place. That's what he did mean. Do oh, you yeah. think? Oh, yeah. No, I oh, don't think faced. he's... Yeah. I don't he meant one face. I don't know. If yeah, well, I, think, I think all of Donald Trump's comedy is completely accidental. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he but that's it. In the world of stand-up comedy, a callback is a clever tool, right, which is well-received by the audience, but not when you accidentally say one. You can't do a callback not knowing it was a callback <laughs> and then claim credit for the callback and then explain the callback. <laughs> so Trump is nothing but a fornicator. <laughs> <laughs> and a parachuter. <laughs> what do you, what you, know, you Jean? Yeah, well, you know the story at the party with Trudeau and Boris Johnson and, and Macron, Macron I think, and yeah. Princess Anne. Well, I mean, who hasn't been at a party where the Pinot Grigio goes around and you're all having a massive bitch about the host and you turn around, they're right behind you. <laughs> I mean, you know, and then the host tells you you're on your own with the Russians now. You know, like, we've all done it, you know. <laughs> and Mr Trudeau is going to find that the continent of North America isn't big enough for the two of them, I think, even if he stands under President Trump's window and serenades him with Sawani River. It's not going to make it up to him. And Boris, I don't think he's worried at all about Trump. He's only worried, you know, if Trump endorses him, then he's going yeah. to be in trouble. So he's OK. But, I have, but I'm worried about Princess Anne. Yeah, she really was, was she there. She was in the group, right? Yeah, she yeah. was in the group. What was she doing there? What was she, yeah. I don't know what, you know, like... You know, she should. Look, if Ivanka Trump can, get, you know, go to places, surely, surely Princess Anne. Can. Yeah, but did she come with Boris? Boris is like <laughs> already too. He's got at least two on Flowers' naughty list. I mean, no, I think I all the royals now are trying to pitch themselves into politics so they'll be assured of a role in season twenty-seven of The Crown. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I suppose you know. Let's hope Princess Anne isn't alone with. 
Prince Andrew at Christmas. <laughs> Don't you think the whole of the nature? It's like it's that's a, her punishment after this. But isn't thing. it like a scene from a kindergarten? From a kindergarten no, nature? No, 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 no. It's more like, and I love this. It's more like a scene from any work conference, isn't it? You stand around bitching about the people who are late. You're rolling your eyes at the choice of keynote speakers. You're sucking up trying to sit next to the boss. You know, you look at the morning tea and you go, what, no Monte Carlos? This really <laughs> sucks. And, you know, you have to... In this um, meeting when they say no Monte Carlos, they mean the city. <laughs> <laughs> you have to take part in those dumb trust exercises when you don't trust anyone in the whole room. And, uh, and then you have to sign up to a workplace pact. You have to apparently look after people who are being bullied, but secretly, secretly you think they really, really deserve that. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's good. I kind of feel it's good like that. They're kind of like the rest of us. But then on another level, it's depressing because we actually voted for most of these people. <laughs> but, you know, so I take a little bit of salt. How many of these, th- these things you've been to? Oh, <laughs> I work at the ABC, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but you haven't been to many high-level NATO meetings, though. It is like kindergarten, like kindergarten definition. An establishment where humans below the comp- compulsory age of education play and learn. That's NATO. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it could well be. That's NATO. Yeah, yeah. All standing around telling stories about whispering about each other and then, then Trump comes in and makes a joke. And laughing well, at each other's pathetic little uh, comments. How sad. Now, yeah, who, has been, who has been milking the goodwill of Australia? The, the, who has been milking the goodwill Australians have towards their farmers? Uh, this, oh, is this is a terrible story. Shame, shame, shame. shame. This We're outraged that not passing on the cost of the milk. Um, Look, you know... Um, the, but shall we explain the story for yeah, all right. people haven't... Okay. Um, the, the grocery Coles. giant Coles... What? Yeah. They're no. supposed to. They uh, supposed to pay farmers five point two million dollars. Remember, they uh, put a ten cent uh, mm. levy on the milk. This is for our Hawaiian friend. Uh, they, <laughs> they put a ten cent le- drought levy on the milk. She's leaning forward as well. And they and they told uh, everyone, all of us, all of us, dopes, that they were going to pass it on to the farmers. But they got uh, they got pinged by the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, who said they weren't passing it on. Now, of course, you know that the slogan for the supermarket giant is good (laughs) things are happening at Coles. Uh, But it's probably a bit hard to make an ad that says good things are happening at Coles following the threat of court action. (laughs) 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 We should be their new slogan. Look, it's not a good look, is it? Can you think of a worse corporate PR failure than ripping off farmers struggling with the drought and unprecedented bushfires? Our reputation is going down. Down, down. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yes, Richard. Maybe, maybe it could be. The only way it could be worse is if they said something like "shop at Coles" or "the koala gets it." <laughs> <laughs> or how about this one? That's brilliant. That's how about good. this one? Shop at Coles. We're sending your ten cents straight to China to buy our dairy farm. <laughs> how about that? That's another good slogan. Oh, I know. Hard cutting. Gee, what were they thinking? What were they thinking? <laughs> I have no idea what they're thinking already. So, I, you know, they've not only ripped off the farmers, but they've betrayed our trust too because we go, okay, well, accept 10 cents more because we know it's going to the farmers. So you actually go out of your way to help. Mm. But then the 10 cents of, 10 cents of you know, a litre more for the milk is only about 20 million a year, whereas they've kept the prices down so much. They're costing the farmers, the mm. dairy mm. farmers, about 500 million a year by not charging. Just so like stealing 10 bucks and giving you 10 cents 
sense back. Oh, yeah, exactly. And the, and as Wendy said, you know, seriously, our dairy farms are going off to China. They're, they're it's going to be a joke in here own, any minute. I can't there's feel no it. freaking joke. There's no <laughs> joke in here. Except I have got... Go, Jean, get off I your chair. I think we should bypass the supermarket. I think we should... Um, what we should do is have a relationship with the farmers ourselves, like we sponsor a cow. So we get the cow, we get the picture of the cow, we put it on our fridge and we go, okay, Bess is our cow. We give some money to the dairy farmers and then we know where our milk's coming from and they get our you money. Can, you can already do that. Can you? Get you out. Can. You can. Really? You I can. know you can sponsor a vine and get your own bottle of red, but... <laughs> Have you got any other policies? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean you can do that? You can already do that. How do you, are you yeah. serious? Everyone, am I right? Yes. What can other you? animals? Well, Only why, cows? Why don't we all know about it and why aren't we all doing it and why does Coles still sell milk? <laughs> so here, what do you make of it? Well, as I agree, it was very disgusting. Five million is like, you know, it's not that much really. It's only a small amount like, for, uh, yeah. for, the, for the massive population. Israel for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a callback. Yeah. Another callback. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, but if you've mentioned it's a callback, it's not a callback. You just said that. So you've ruined the callback well, no, we, because you called back the callback. That's true. That's true as well. But uh, that's only if other people didn't recognise the callback. <laughs> But five million, of course, Coles had to do this. Uh, the only thing I would say, they had to do this because they needed the five million to pay for all those little toys, those little, <laughs> no, those little shopper things. Yeah, so they, yeah, yeah. that cost five point two five million exactly. So they were those just little merely... choking hazards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were just balancing their books. That's all they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> that should have been the campaign. Come and get some choking hazards. Free, yeah, free choking hazards with your flybys. <laughs> we have Wendy Harmer, Jean Kitson, and Tahir, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And guys, Friday. I'm Richard Glover. Now, the apostrophe protection society has closed its doors this week, saying that it has lost the battle when it came to maintaining proper use of that particular punctuation mark. Uh, What do you think and and what other high standards of the past should we give up as just too much trouble in today's busy, lazy world? Jean Kitson. I'm just so disappointed. I am very disappointed with the apostrophe protection society giving up, closing its doors. The place name commissars were the first and worst apostrophe vandals. They were the place names, you know, like Bull's Head, no apostrophe. Uh, Sailor's Gully, nope. Gaffney's Creek, nothing. Illiterates Crossing. <laughs> and you know, with the apostrophe protection society, I feel abandoned <laughs> as a parent. You know, I can no longer threaten my daughters to bring in the apostrophe protection society. <laughs> they know I have their number on the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> And I can't ask them to take them away for a little retraining. I told my daughters that the Apostrophe Protection Society ran a training camp, like those school camps we used to go on, you know, somewhere out near Jackson's Flat with an apostrophe. (laughs) (laughs) Always in a clearing in a dark forest and sad abandoned picnic tables sitting in islands of dirt and dust and stinking toilet blocks with no paper and rusting drip marks around the taps and fibre walls and grimy windows and no shops for miles. That's the Apostrophe Protection Society's <laughs> retraining camp. I think 
think we should, you know, like we... I want them to come to the schools. We don't want mere rebukes, no letters to the editor, no red circles and question marks. Just visit school assemblies, you know, by apostrophe protection officers wearing uniforms <laughs> and apostrophe badges and maybe tasers. <laughs> and then our children, they'll be babbling away about possessives and diacriticals and plural, plural replacements in their sleep. Gene <laughs> <Jean> Kitchen! <laughs> OK, I'm going to play devil's advocate, though. The greengrocers. I'm going to stick up for the greengrocers. They get up at dawn. They go all the way to Flemington Markets. They buy the potatoes. They get them back in your suburb by six o'clock. They put them on sale at a reasonable price, five bucks a kilo. And then they write the sign up, potatoes for sale, and put a mistaken apostrophe and everyone goes mad at them. Well, I'm I'm mad at them too. (laughs) Avocados with an apostrophe. Mangoes with an apostrophe. Just get rid of that apostrophe. (laughs) Put it somewhere else. I mean, Wendy, this Use is an example a of one of the good old standards of the well, past. Well, you that know, we I, I uh, being a grumpy old boomer like Jean, I don't know <laughs> whether, and many people know this, but I was once the president of Women Against Women Wearing Fitness Gear Down the Shops. <laughs> <laughs> or WAFs. For short. Because um, I, I used to think, really? Really? How much time could it change into a nice skirt and a decent pair of shoes and a little top? I used to think, really? But then I've mellowed as time has gone on, Richard, and I think, you know, the only way you can actually negotiate the supermarket car park with a pram and a toddler and the kilometres of aisles where they deliberately hide what you're looking for and the <laughs> checkout stashed with chocolates and chips is actually to have run an ultra marathon (laughs) or we have qualified for the Tokyo Olympics. So, (laughs) WAFs is now defunct. I have to announce that to everyone. And if you want to wear your fitness gear to the Opera House to see Carmen, you go right ahead because the car park's like a bloody orienteering course anyway. (laughs) I resign and I am sorry for the inconvenience. Okay, so two (laughs) organisations fall by the wayside. Sounds they're dropping fast. What do you think, Jean? No, no, I just don't think anyone who wears fitness gear, they don't realise it's actually not clothes. (laughs) You can see everything. (laughs) (laughs) Everything. It's like just another but what about skin. you airing your bits earlier? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, another callback. Yeah. <laughs> you remember, remember when you oh, Arnie, I can't help Arnie it. Pat would say, oh, you can see what she's had for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> clearly bacon and eggs or something. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, that's that's so here, do, uh, do you think we should uh, mourn the passing of the apostrophe well, protection society? The apostrophe protection society, um, I mean, I've started a petition. Oh, you have. I have, uh, to bring it back. Yeah, Yeah, good. So so there's been no one to sign it at all, no one. (laughs) (laughs) I'll sign it. Well, there was John Richards was a guy who started, and uh, once I read up on this, um, he was quoted saying, there was no golden age when people used apostrophes correctly. It was oh. quite a, and I thought, I wish there was. I wish there was an era where uh, that excelled in the correct use of the apostrophe. <laughs> Just so John Richard could say, remember the 1930s when the apostrophe was understood and used correctly by all mankind? Um, that was a golden age for the apostrophes. <laughs> But he could never say that because there was no golden age with the apostrophe. So and now there will never be. His life's just been a complete disappointment, <laughs> hasn't it? Just sort of guilt age. There was, 
And grammar as a whole, and the English language has changed so much over the years. I was an English drama teacher, and my first day of teaching was, this is true, casual teacher at Bankstown Boys High School, mm. where there was no apostrophes at all, right? Um, <laughs> so the kids... Couldn't you afford them? No. <laughs> I don't even know what that was. Um, so I walked into class. I clearly remember my first day because it was 99% multicultural, mostly you know, Lebanese Arabic kids. And I walked into class and I was a casual teacher my first day, shocked. And they said, Oh my God, look, sir, look, are you the teacher? Look, what are you going to teach us? Oh my God, look, what are you going to teach us? Oh my God, look, what are you going to teach us? I said, Well, English for a start. <laughs> Are you ready for the wheel of death, ladies and gentlemen? Each week when our lovely audience come in, they throw these random topics oh, onto this chocolate wheel. Today's topics for Tahir to take on are dogs, wow. hiding, donut, safari, Kris Kringle, bus stop, hark, mushrooms, insurrection, apocalypse, canoe, pavlova, visitor, d- 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 what? dwarves. Oh, dwarves. <laughs> Jean's handwriting. <laughs> With a possessive S. <laughs> uh, yeah, the hiding donut and we're back to safari. Which ones fill you full of fear? Well, a lot of them. Um, ha- what's Hark? I don't even know what Hark is for well, a start. Uh, but this is how, the, like, yeah. Hark the Herald Angels sing. I'm not sure what that is. I'm no, not no, sure. No, no, I don't know what it means. Listen. It means Hark. Listen, yeah. Listen. Pay attention. The hiding, like, you know, that scares me. Visitor, like, mushroom. What is that? I'm going to talk about mushrooms. This is the whole... This is going to be a disaster. There is a, there is a, um, and there is a subcommittee of the apostrophe society that still carries on, which is to bring back the proper use of hark. <laughs> because everyone has forgotten what the hell it is. Here we go, round and round and round it goes. Oh, Very soft. Go. No one knows. Today's topic is Chris Kringle. Oh. Chris, Chris, who is Chris Kringle? Who, who? Very good, very good suggestion. Very seasonal suggestion. So, uh, w- when we, when I walked in and, and Chris Kringle has been written on the board on the on the wheel, um, I said there was a uh, it was a certain type of chip. Um, <laughs> so the Chris Kringle is my favourite type of chip. Um, <laughs> It's, uh, I mean, look, this goes back in history, the Chris Kingle. Uh, years ago, uh, you know, there was a group of people hanging around and uh, they didn't know what to get each other. Mm. A guy named Chris said, uh, I've got an idea. Mm. Clearly. <laughs> no, you can look this up. It's all true. Um, <laughs> he said, why don't we just, out of the hat, just draw one person each, you know, and then buy a secret present to everybody. Uh, and then uh, the other said, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. What are we going to call it? It's just... Chris, you, you started this thing, right? Uh, so we'll just call it Chris Kringle, right? The Kringle uh, came from uh, the uh, somebody stepped on a leaf at that time um, and they made a Kringle sort of noise and uh, they said, call it a Chris Kringle. Brilliant. Isn't that, no, look it up, isn't look that it up. word Kringle? Uh, Kringle, Chris no, Kringle. No, the, the Kringle is the sound a leaf makes when you step on it. Yes, yeah, that's exactly. The, the present. How did it become Kringle? Yeah. Listen, listen. Richard... I'm not explaining here. I'm just telling what history happened and what happened in history. You ask me to explain it, go ask Chris, like not me. <laughs> and then uh, clearly there was a flaw in this, uh, in this plan because uh, there was complaints early on. I don't know if you're aware of this because early on there was complaints because people, once the presents were delivered randomly to each other, they realised that some people were cheap. Cheap, yeah. Tight, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cheap. Not, not cheap as chips, but not, very cheap, right? <laughs> 
And while others went to great trouble of, of finding the correct present uh, for the person. So, uh, you know, and they realized this is a system to, um, to, you know, see what sort of personality you have. And therefore, there was a dollar amount put to it. So the Chris Kringles now all put a rule saying, okay, it's going to be a Chris Kringle and it's going to be $20 each, for example, or $5 million is Israel's case. <laughs> so the correct value had to be the exact amount you've got to spend. Uh, for example, in my family, there's a Chris Kringle happening and the amount is you, $50. Yeah. Right? Oh, no. $50. And uh, I told my wife, I said, this is ridiculous because I'm getting a voucher, I'm giving a voucher back. We're just exchanging vouchers. <laughs> 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 the so Chris festive. Kringle voucher exchange. Yes, yeah, so so festive and wonderful. It, it is, and uh, that, that is that is uh, that's my history on Chris Kringle. That's the end. Of it. Your your voucher is for a parachute, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Callbacks galore in scenario. Hey, does he die? <laughs> no, he lives. We have Wendy Harmer, Jean Kitson, here, and our lovely audience. Thank you for coming. I even think there, uh, to hear we had an audience call back on this uh, yeah, I know. lady down to, I mean, you know, with the five million. Five, very good. It was good excellent. work. It was excellent I, work. You, know, I, you just I'm wrecked a... it by mentioning the callback you existed. That's oh, all, yeah. yeah. I didn't even, I'd never heard of a callback until comedy. tonight. Really? You just thought it was a heckle or something. I thought it was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never received a callback, that's for sure. <laughs> you just sort of think with not enough information just going on about the same joke. Yeah. <laughs> Can you say that three, one again? I only came with three jokes. I might just do that one again. <laughs> Chris, come on, that was tough. Uh, mm. Disappointment this week mm. as Australia scored pretty badly when it came to our ability at mathematics. Oh, yeah. We used to be pretty Shame. good, but now we are below average. Can we lift our spirits by listing all the things <laughs> in which we Australians still beat the world, Wendy. Well, I look. I I didn't spend a lot of. I couldn't come up with anything really. Um, <laughs> How disappointing! And which was really just. I came up with one. All right, I came up with one. This is what I think that we are really, really good at in Australia. Maybe other places, but I reckon we might just be the best. But how many other countries tell their guests in big capital letters when they're going to, you know, at someone's house, someone's home, and we say? Just bring yourselves, don't bring anything, okay? Mm. But yeah. what do we do? Yeah, we do. Well, what do we bring? Crikey. We've got an avocado or some kind of onion dip and a packet of Jats. We've got more wine than we can possibly drink. A few bags of Chris Kringles. <laughs> a box of Cadbury family favourites and a cheesecake. And, you know, look, I... Apart, Five million dollars worth of pavlova down here. The uh, callback. Shut up. Um, it was on the board. It was on the will of death. And you know, this is what we're really, really good at. And I went out to a party the other night, and this is where the ritual I love too, when none of it's actually being consumed, and then your guests insist you take it home. It is not happening. It is not happening. I had a flat-out fight to death in the street last weekend after a dinner party over a full bottle of champagne. I eventually won. They kept it. I made them keep it. Well, I'm not going back there again, the ungrateful bastards. <laughs> but I think we're really good at So it's at kind that. of competitive Niceness. Well, I think I think we're really good at you know generous. Lots of things. Generous. 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 Who cares if we're not good at maths? I mean, where, when Pythagoras' theorem, whenever you, when has anybody ever used that theorem? 
I, I challenge anybody. Nobody's ever used that theorem. No, maybe in a bedroom, like angles and things like that. Or, um, <laughs> oh, let's use Pythagoras' theorem to get in another position. No, you never ever use that theorem. <laughs> Ever. Do, you, do you actually call Ever. your bed the workbench? I'm really... <laughs> I'm having a horrible feeling that uh, you do. Listen, we're, we're, we're the place that come the best in the world, in fact, if you want to be killed by a dangerous piece of animal, right? Out. So we should be proud of that, yep. of the shark being on top of the list. Uh, and we go crazy in this country when, when, when somebody gets attacked by a shark. Yeah. Remember when Mick Fanning got attacked by a shark? Yeah. My friends rang, oh, Mick Fanning got attacked by a shark. The world's in shock. I said, really? Where did it happen? In the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> How is that shocking? If you got attacked by a shark in 7-Eleven, then ring me, right? Yeah. Tihi, I think that if you haven't had a brush with death in this country, you yeah. haven't put in a full day. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Winnie. Exactly. And no one... That's for our friend from Hawaii. <laughs> so go outside, go outside, have a go, have a crack. You know, just pat, pat a shark, whatever you want to do, right? But He's no suddenly one... suddenly looking a bit worried. <laughs> No one matches this for an excuse to take a public holiday. That's, that's as, as Australian as you get. Mm. In fact, nowhere in the world has this happened. If one of our public holidays falls on a weekend, that doesn't count, mate. We'll take the next day. <laughs> we, we love to cut people down. Don't be up yourself in this country. We, we, should be, we should be proud of some of the world records we hold. Right? We don't hold a maths record. It doesn't matter. But we hold records like this. And this, the ABC was up, was up to this. Most people looking at the sky night at once hosted by the Abbey, over 40,000 people just standing there and looking up doing nothing, right? <laughs> Where did we find these 40,000 people? Council workers, right? <laughs> I mean, we didn't mean to break the record, it just happened one night. <laughs> <laughs> the, we hold the record, did you know this, the largest simultaneous car tyre burnout in Canberra. It happened. Wow. 100, yes. Yeah, some of that's, yeah. 126 vehicles spun in a fast circle until the tyres exploded, causing huge noise and smoke pouring out. Hmm. And in Sydney, we're still suffering the aftermath. <laughs> People think it's a bushfire. It's not the bushfires, it's those bloody 126 cars. <laughs> those Subarus. It's a bit miserable about the maths, Jean, but we're good at something, aren't we? I think the decline in maths is terrible. I couldn't disagree with Tahir more strongly. We need maths. We oh, need, there God. are so many applications of maths in life made in by people who get maths. But, you know, like people, you either get maths or you don't get maths. But you need them for bridges, you need them for cars and rockets for treat illnesses and replace bones and hearing. And You need them for, to treat every part of the body. But the truth is about maths is, as I said before, you either get it or you don't. And there are always kids who just hear maths the way some people hear music and then they just sit at the piano and play like professionals without lessons or reading music or anything and they are a real pain in the arse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for the rest of us. Because the rest of us plug away at scales and we memorise tables and I think we should have teams of Adam Spencers out there and that other guy online who does maths and a lot of women, all the women in my family are good at maths. But on the other Upside. Eddie Wu. So, Eddie Wu, yes. And, you know, and as I said, and all the women in my family, on both sides of the family, are really good at math. So, more women out there. But on the upside, Australia does excel at things for which we can claim we are the best in the world. Yes. If you, if you like a nice lawn <laughs> or a barbecued prawn or fancy some brawn on your bloke, we've got it right here in Australia. 
If high art makes you yawn and sports stars fawn and you think romance is corn, you've come to the right place, Australia. (laughs) If you've no need for porn because footy gives you a horn (laughs) and so does warn E, well, there's nowhere better than Australia. If, if you have an aunt called Dawn and a sheep called Sean and the only time you're forlorn is when your favourite T-shirt is torn, then be forewarned, the only place to be born is Australia. Oh. Yeah! Oh. Oh. Kitchen, ladies and gentlemen. I love... Uh, yeah, very, very good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess, uh, look, I'm just standing up and saluting on that yeah, one. It's just fabulous. <laughs> Stand aside the great poets of Australia. I know, Dorothy McKellar. Don't forget it. Yeah, I love a sunburned country. I love a sunburned Sheila. She was the only one. She said she loved the droughts and flooding rains. She was the only one who did. (laughs) She was predicting it. She was quite quite singular in her way, wasn't she? She was. She didn't have to... Oh, I'm off her nut again. (laughs) Again. You just want to say, enough, Dorothy, enough. (laughs) <laughs> who are the winners and losers of this week? So here, who are the winners and losers? Uh, well, uh, sorry, I'm not sure. Um, mm. uh, the loser is the Sydney Air Quarry. Um, of course, uh, I'm now addicted to smoke. And uh, once it clears, I'm going I'm to need some smoke patches um, <laughs> just to recover. <laughs> but the winners are to all the firefighters flying no, in from I all the other right. countries to help with the bushfires. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So uh, the Canadians, the Americans and the Kiwis... Yes. Yeah. And one Hawaiian. <laughs> I was wondering why she was wearing a hard hat. <laughs> who were the winners and losers? Jean. Um, well, I think the winners were the dairy farmers who took my advice so quickly about the cows and uh, sponsoring the cows. Um, and will we lose it? Please, please, please don't give up on the apostrophe because it's really important for me to know <laughs> whether almighty. it's a seniors festival or a senior apostrophe yes festival. Can we all go or just one of us? You know, like... <laughs> but the winners, actually, that, that was just a bit of callbacking I was yeah. doing. Um, winners are the people who already did their Christmas shopping at the June sales oh, yeah. and they already had their decorations up since September and they're already sitting around their tree with perfectly wrapped presents scattered beneath their tree and a glass of wine and a plate of nuts and glassy fruits and they probably need some sort of intervention, I think, right now. <laughs> That's a loser. I want to feel better about those people. Most of, those people, most of the people who buy the presents in June, they've, they've hidden them somewhere in the house and they've now forgotten where they put them. <laughs> And they're wondering, who was that cheese board for? (laughs) Oh, well, I'll give it to my nephew. You know, and then they find the footy jumper or something and then they've got to give that to their mother. You know, like, it all all gets mixed up and you can't remember. And because they bought the footy jumper in June, it says Israel Folau. (laughs) (laughs) Callback! Another callback! Oh, big tick. My, my wife used that technique. Like, I mean, females often, they buy, buy something and they'll put it in the cupboard for months mm. and just bring it out. Is that, a, uh, is that a new top? Ah, it's been in the cupboard for months. <laughs> <laughs> I tried that with a jet ski. It didn't quite work. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't, the same rules don't apply. 
Who were the winners and losers? Wendy Hummer. Well, I'm just loving the future vision for Piermont. Did you see this one put forward that includes a cable car strung between Centrepoint Tower, Barangaroo, the Future Star City Casino and the Fish Market? <laughs> oh, that, I just thought that was just absolutely genius. Right there is a winner. The loser is a developer who gets to go ahead to build the cable car, but you can't see anything because of the bushfire smoke. <laughs> <laughs> so a bit of a loser there. But, but hang on, we 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 we've already built a a, 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 a sky sky. Oh, yeah, it was good, wasn't it? Didn't, was, didn't <laughs> the monorail. Love, we yeah, loved the did monorail. We loved the monorail, didn't we? We sold it. Yeah. No. Where's it gone? <laughs> Where Why? is it now? Richard? It's sold, isn't it? It's sold for scrap. <laughs> I don't know who's going to go from a casino to a fish market. That does my head in. <laughs> because what if you're at, you do the fish market and you get your prawns and you go, I'll just pop in and put a little two bucks on the chocolate Relax. wheel. And then three days later you're there and everyone, and the prawns are going off. And... <laughs> if you win big at the casino, you might be able to afford one piece of flathead. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You can go the other way. Oh, I've got some losers that yes, I didn't say. The losers are the rest of us, you know, I was talking about the winners already being organised, the losers of the rest of us who live in this sort of fantasy world where we think there'll be no trouble parking mm. and, you know, who've left our Christmas things to the end and we will wander briskly around shops finding the perfect gift at the last minute, except we'll overcompensate by spending the price of a small car on something no one has the space for and the family will accidentally re-gift what I gave them last year and the only <laughs> tip I can give you is start defrosting that bloody turkey now and wait for the kids to bring home a vegan. <laughs> Please thank Wendy Hammer, June Kitson and Tahir. Yay. Thanks for being part of Thank God It's Friday. Join us on New Year's Eve, 7pm in New South Wales and Victoria for our New Year's Eve special. Until then, I'm Richard Glover and thank God it's Friday! Now, with a special letter from America with Tommy Dean. Yeah, time now for another letter from America with Tommy Dean as our TJF regular returns home for a couple of months. But after two decades down under, can he ever fit back into the American society he left so long ago? Well, in small town Illinois, Tommy Dean joins us once again. Hello. Hello and howdy from Freedomville. (laughs) Freedomville. Actually, you are in Freedomville because you've just got your driver's license. So much freedom. Uh, yes, indeed. I braved one of the most deeply disturbing bureaucratic piles of trouble that America has on offer. That is the DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles. It is literally one of the most unmanageably difficult decisions you can make in your life is to go into there. So it's easier to get a gun license than a driver's license, right? Oh, man, a gun license in most states, they just, you know, it's a nod and a handshake. You want a gun? Yeah, all right. Then. You want to drive a car, you've got to stand in some lines and talk to some angry people. <laughs> They're angry because they have to deal with people like you. It's true. It is a terrible recipe for pure humanity hatred. Just cue after cue. It's the classic bureaucratic, all right, you're done at line one. If you could go present yourself to line three. At line three, oh, you didn't fill in the form properly. If you could go to line two and get the form correction service, then meet us back at line four. 
Now if you could go to computer terminal B and take the test. <laughs> now if you could sit there and listen for a letter and a number to be called in combination, which will not be in any order that makes sense alphabetically or numerically. <laughs> we will eventually. It was four hours. Oh, God. Did you have to pass uh, an actual test, you know, a uh, practical test? I had to do both because they do not recognize the Australian driver's license or experience. Uh, I had to take the written test to show that I knew basic laws of the road and the shapes of road signs as utilized by the states, which are pretty much the same as everybody else's signs. (laughs) And then, uh, then I had to actually take a driving test. I had to go out in the car and prove to the uh, director that I could drive the vehicle around a parking lot, up and over a street and back. I thought you didn't have a car. No, no I, uh, I don't. I had to uh, rent a car. <laughs> so here's one of the great little uh, loopholes of hilarity. Uh, rental car companies recognize the Australian license, and it is perfectly legal for me to drive on my Australian license in a rent-a-car. But to drive a normal car that is not rented... I have to have a state driver's license. Uh, do I infer from that that you have ambitions of buying a car? Oh, I've got big ambitions. In fact, uh, day two, I got my driver's license yesterday. Today, I got on the bus to go to the shops and said to the driver, hey, mate, why don't you take a break? I'll go take it from here. <laughs> and he said, shut up and sit down and get off my bus. <laughs> Everybody's cranky. Yeah. Well, that's because it's so cold, isn't it? It's getting cold. We're actually in a delightful uh, fall spring at the moment of 15 degrees. Uh, and everybody is out enjoying that because in two days' time, it will be minus four. I seriously don't know how things change so fast. Here, it's just the way it is. So uh, we're going to try to get out the next day or two, go car shopping, and then I'm assuming two days later, uh, snow chains shopping. <laughs> Tell me about car shopping. So I think one of the differences, you know, we, we were interested in talking about the differences between the two countries. And one of the big differences, of course, the car is important in Australia, but it's more, it's important in a different way in America, isn't it? It is deeply important. It is a sense of all freedom. Uh, I can't even contemplate doing anything uh, outside of easy shopping thanks to the bus route. But generally speaking, everything is far away or on the other side of very large highways that are not pedestrian friendly. Plus, I have a driveway that I'm renting, and so I'm getting no value for that. (laughs) It's just cool. It's freedom. In fact, I was quite surprised. So I finished my driver's test, and then taking the rent-a-car back up to the agency, uh, you have to take a freeway. So I instantly go from not legal to drive to on American freeways. And while American drivers in town are generally fine because speeds are quite restricted and the roads are quite narrow, Yes, the freeway is where they express their freedom. It is the freedom way. And the speed limit is just a marker of how much you care about your freedom. <laughs> like, seriously, if the, the road is 65 miles an hour, and if you don't merge at 75, you're not going to get in. And then once you get there, if you don't stay at 80, people are going to be cranky with you because they are freedom lovers. Don't, don't the police uh, crack down like they do in Australia? No, because the police love freedom too. <laughs> Do they have speed cameras and all that stuff? Not on the freeways, because that is against freedom. <laughs> like, seriously, they, have, they do have uh, some speed camera in town, but they kind of ruled uh, freeways as sort of uh, take your life in your own hand zones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the speed limits are there, I think, as a marker for when accidents happen and people have to be blamed. But right up until then... <laughs> Go seriously. for it. Yeah, like I'm doing 75, thinking that's too much. 
just trying to hold my place in traffic. And police will go past you. Do 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 do. They're pretty cheap, though, aren't they? Cars? Cheap-ish. You know, it's one of those tricky games. The car, in and of itself, is cheap, but then you have um, the registration system here is more extensive, and there's no coupons. Of all the things in the world <laughs> that have coupons in this country, there are no car coupons. It's going to feel good to get behind the wheel, though, isn't it? But Tommy, you're going to miss your friends on the bus. I know, but my plan is. I'm going to go a couple minutes ahead of the bus schedule and follow the only route through town that I know <laughs> and pick a couple of them up. <laughs> I'll only charge them half price, so it's a win-win situation. Yeah, I get gas money. They get a ride door-to-door. <laughs> and the other thing I know that's happened is you've registered to vote. It's part of the driver's license system. I think they get you all in one. You get your driver's license. They get you to register to vote. And I thought as long as I'm here... Best that I do as much as I can to put the place back right before I leave. <laughs> Your contribution. Okay. But if you're going to be a sort of working man, you know, voting blue, uh, you've got to get a job, don't you? Well, I do. I do. I'm currently 0 for 18. I'm, I'm not pleased with that number. Here's the thing, and I was really shocked by this, but I am really surprised at how people that run businesses want to hire people that have experience. <laughs> So when you go home and say, and they say, what have you done? And you say, I've been a stand-up comic in Australia. There, I was really quite shocked to discover there are no applicable skills from comedy in the workaday world. Like none. There is nothing that I do on stage that I can say, well, it's kind of like what you do here, except I talk about it. <laughs> well, so how many jobs have you applied for? Yeah, 18. 18 oh, 18. That's what you mean, not from 18. I, I get it. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's terrible. Um, uh, I've been working in the service area trying to get, uh, like, aged care. Uh, they feel that they would like nursing experience is preferred. Mm. And also they fear that I'm too close to the age of the people. <laughs> you might get mistaken for a patient. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize I'm very close to senior benefits in this country. <laughs> I know that my new fangled driver's license says I'm 51, but I still feel 32. Yeah, yeah. And the opposite is then I applied, of course, in the deeply humiliating world of fast food, uh, to which I am also now too old. <laughs> is your, I mean, we're not going to talk for a little while because of Christmas and all that. So this is our last letter from America for a while. You know, the big question in everyone's minds, everyone's enjoying hearing you, the story, but still everyone wants to know, is your son grateful for the sacrifices you're making in order to give him a chance to experience a bit of American school life? Well, I'm looking at him right now. Let's see if I can get a look on his face. He's giving me the thumbs up and a big smile as he puts his headphones on and plays Xbox. <laughs> so Has... I'm going to say yes. He yeah. couldn't be more appreciative. <laughs> And he's excited. I mean, right now, right now, it's finally all come together. The whole purpose of all this, I mean, there's grander, deeper views to it. But in the very, very short term, the basketball season was his most pure purpose. And that season has kicked off. And so now everything is sort of where it's supposed to be. Mm. Mm. Basically, he wouldn't have been allowed to compete if he didn't have an actual parent there. And that's you. And that's me. That's the whole, this whole story is built on a bedrock of getting him competing in sport with basketball being the number one choice. So basketball season has started. So I have to say, this is where America really turns it on. Even though this is small town, country high school basketball, 
The stadium was sold out. There was easily 150 people crammed into this high school gymnasium. Mm. And there were, you know, cheerleaders cheering and student sections yelling and parents screaming and whistles blowing and shoes squeaking and coaches blowing gaskets. Mm. I have never heard so much yelling, screaming fun. It was the grandest. Yeah, it's like that television show, Friday Night Lights. I used to love that. And, you know, it's about football and, 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 and a small town, but it's college football and everyone's going nuts about it. And there's advertising on the, you know, as, as they call it on the radio and everything. Oh, yes. There's actually a dedicated stream service to high school sport that features the local teams. Uh, it is, it is, and the radios talk about it. It is, they have an athlete of the week in the, in the paper that features the various high school kids every week. Uh, which is a big deal for them to get their clipping. Uh, it was exciting. Well, you know, I'm glad that I'm glad he's doing well considering all the sacrifices. Uh, you know, the one thing about this chat we're having is because we put it on the podcast, on the TJF podcast, it'll be there forever on the internet. Maybe one day when he's fifty, how did you say you were fifty-one? Maybe one day yeah, when he, maybe one day when he's when he's your age, he will sit and put the headphones on just as he is now, and he'll listen to what his dad went through. All those decades before to give him this experience. You can speak to him right now. Speak to the fifty-one year old Asher and tell him what you'd like to what you'd like to tell him about the sacrifices you've made, Tommy. That's it. Asher, I'm assuming that right now you're watching this in a hologram <laughs> from the grave. I would like to tell you that it was the stupidest, hardest, <laughs> most expensive thing that I ever did. And I hope your kids right now are running you broke. So you know how I felt. I hope all you're drinking is instant coffee and eating crackers like your grandfather. But I love you very much. It was worth it for all the love. And that one moment we shared when we both got our driver's license on the same day. <laughs> Let's talk in January. Assuming, assuming I survived the automotive winter. <laughs> hey, see you, Tommy. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas to you all. A happy new year. And I wish you all peace and prosperity <laughs> and crackers and instant coffee for all, if you're lucky. <laughs> that was Special Letter from America with Tommy Dane. And yeah, we'll catch up with Tommy again in January and find out how the festive season went, whether he's enjoying driving around his new automotive freedom, and yeah, whether he can get someone to give him a job in the United States of America.